0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Look at your current life right now, regardless of what it is, and ask yourself this simple question. How can you create leverage in your life today? How can you create leverage to where you could walk away at any moment from any bad relationship, situation, you could be at a dinner and it's the wrong people and you have the authority and the ability to say, you know what, screw it, I'm out of here. This is a waste of my time. Perfectly coiffed hair, looks neat and presentable all the time. He is the, uh, the MIT Blockchain CEO. guest was one of the first and uh, youngest names in the crypto space. Let's bring in MIT Group CEO Grant Mitterliner. T-time, like I got a cup of T-time like golf at a quarter to six. I love a regular famous host lane, but they still. Hey guys, welcome back to the GrantMet podcast, episode number 60. And in this episode, we're gonna be talking about the law of least interest. This is gonna be how to increase your finances, get that dream job, hire the right team, meet the right person, and ultimately just excel at life. There's almost a secret law, I've noticed this over the last five to 10 years, that the person that just simply wants it less seems to get everything they want. I've noticed this even from sports, that you would have this really good athlete on the team that was better than everybody else, that was late every day, that wouldn't work out, and the coaches would just literally give them excuse for anything. If you were late and you were the hardworking guy, they'd rip you. They'd make you run. They'd get you in trouble. But the guy that was really good, that didn't really care, the coaches were scared of the guy quitting because he was so good. So even in authoritative situations, the person who didn't care, which in that case scenario was the athlete would get away with it. So I said, why is this the case? This isn't fair. I work so hard. I tell the coach or I tell this or I'm at the job and I show how smart I am, show how hardworking I am. Why do I just keep getting the short end of the stick? And what I realized is I was missing this giant secret law of nature that only a few understood that the person that's most willing to walk away in any situation always controls the relationship. Now, this doesn't mean that you suddenly become arrogant, spiteful, or threatening that you're going to leave or do this at every waking moment. But instead, what I want you guys to start creating, regardless of what's in your bank account, how many job offers you have, how many people want to be friends with you, spend time with you, date you, whatever, I want you to create an abundance mindset. So much so that you know that you can achieve any single thing that you want if you do the right things. What's so amazing about life is the person next to you can make $100 billion today and it would have no effect on how successful you could become. There is an abundance of resources all around the world. The difference is how they're allocated. They're allocated in different ways based off of people who can organize information, talent and resources in a concentrated way to to create value for a market, for people, so they buy and invest into what they do. What I want you guys to do is look at your current life right now, regardless of what it is, and ask yourself this simple question. How can you create leverage in your life today? How can you create leverage to where you can walk away at any moment from any bad relationship, situation. You could be at a dinner and it's the wrong people and you have the authority and the ability to say, you know what? Screw it. I'm out of here. This is a waste of my time. Or if you're in the middle of a job interview that you don't have to just do anything you can to get this one job because you have so many opportunities that it doesn't matter. Too many people don't take the right measures and steps to give themselves the opportunity to even decide. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to come from money, that you have to know this person, or even that you have to be necessarily from this country. You just have to set it up in a calculated way. One of the first and most simple steps to create FU money, which basically means you can do whatever the hell you want and no one can force your hand, is simply no matter what the hell is going on in your life, first paying yourself. We pay our taxes every time. When a new iPhone finds out, we always find a way to buy that. When Netflix subscription comes in and pulls out of our bank account every month, we always find a way to pay for that. Why don't we pay ourselves first? Think about the leverage and potential decisions that you would be able to make if you simply just paid yourself first every single month and let everyone else operate with the rest. 10, 20, 30, 40% over 10, 20 years invested can compound into hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars just because of discipline. But that simple discipline gives yourself the peace of mind and the authority to be able to walk away from any situation that you do not want to be in. There's this constant debate of does money make you happy? When the point of money has nothing to do with happiness. Money in itself is worthless until it's used, but money gives you freedom of choice, which can create happiness. If you do a bunch of bu- dumb stuff with money, you buy dumb things, you put yourself in a bad situation, you end up around really bad people, of course you're not going to be happy. But if you have a lot of resources and you help your community, you give back to people, you buy things that improve your quality of your life and your family's quality of life, you're going to be more happy. You're going to have the resources and the leverage and the ability to walk away from bad decisions. What happens is people don't do the little things and the disciplines that they should do, such as saving, such as not being around the wrong people, such as telling the wrong people in the wrong situations, no, that they never get a chance to be around the right people, to get the right opportunity. The trick is many times, is not being the best, not timing everything right, but instead just constantly being ready because you know that another opportunity will present itself. The problem is, is when most of the time when the opportunity comes, the people aren't ready. If you know anything about recessions and the ultra wealthy, I'm not talking about the millionaire next door. I'm not talking about the guy you know that has a nice car. I'm talking about ultra, ultra hundred plus million dollar people. If you talk to them, they will all tell you that their favorite times of wealth creation is during recessions. They know that we have long term and short term debt cycles. And they know that typically every 10 to 12 years, depending on the cycle, there's going to be a two to four year recession. And in that period, everyone else who overspent, who didn't save, who did the wrong decisions, that were trying to be flashy, when there's blood on the streets, houses getting sold for 30, 40, 50% less, businesses shutting down because they didn't manage cash flow correctly. Those people buy those things at a discounted price. And when the cycle co- continues up, the recession ends, that person doubles, triples, or even 10Xs their net worth simply because they had leverage. This is so interesting because you know after I learned my lesson, I talked to you guys so much about this first chapter of my life, really being in high school and college. I And it seems like the opposite now. I just took L after L after L. I always got the short of the stick. It seemed like the world was out to get me. It's because I was never taught how the psychology of how people think, how a coach or a boss or another business makes a decision about who they do business with, who they hire, who they promote. And I started studying this human dynamic of why were these people getting promoted and I wasn't? What caused certain people be, to become successful? And I just want to break down even just a simple example of how to ace an interview. So when you're going into an interview, and I learned this because I had to figure out to master it because I needed to make money. I was 18 years old. I was broke, living in Long Beach, California with six, different, six seven different roommates um, playing junior college football. I redshirted my first year, and I had to make $1,000 a week to survive. California, as you guys know, is super expensive. I had no choice. I got this interview, and I studied for weeks and weeks and weeks how to master an interview. And while most people walk into an interview, they're really focused. They think about all their answers. They, they're like, yes, sir. Oh, thank you so much. Um, can I do this and that? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This seems like a great company. Oh, so this is why I want it. And they're needy, and they try to hang on every perfect word. Instead, I walked in, say, hey, how you guys doing? They're like, hey, can I get you some water? I said, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much. I sat down, they asked me a couple questions. I said, hey, well, let me ask you this. How long have you worked here? I said, oh, like two to three years. And I was like, that's awesome. Where are you from originally? I said, well, I'm from San Diego. I moved up here to take this job and I really like it. And you're like, really? What, what did you like about it? Like, what is the day-to-day like? What was it like that first six months that you were here? And the reason why I was asking those questions is not to look cool, not to look like I'm this hotshot, but instead it was because I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to work at a company that the person who's interviewing me doesn't even like it. So I wanted to find out everything I could about who works there, what, what it's like, and if it makes sense for me. But what was interesting is while I was serious about not wanting to waste my time, this made the person I was interviewing not only respect me, but it made me look like someone who had options, who didn't need them who wasn't down to his last penny, but instead was just serious about working with the right person. What was so interesting is this person started doing everything that he could to try to get me to want to work here. I went from having a vouch for getting anything that I want in life to the person just respecting me so much that it was a no-brainer for them to offer this job. And this goes for when you're meeting people. When you know someone, when you already have a huge name, when you already have credibility, you don't have to think about these things. You can be yourself. You can say whatever. But when you're meeting people for the first time, you're trying to gain people's respect. You're trying to network, especially when you're communicating with people who maybe are a couple levels above you. Be a little bit more reserved. Be interested in who they are. And don't be sitting there so focused trying to justify and prove yourself to the other person. Instead, sit there, listen, and find out everything you can about them. Instead of blabbering at the mouth, trying to look cool, listen to all these things that you've accomplished, be a little bit more vague. Instead of telling them every moving thing about what you do, just say, yeah, I'm in tech, we're in this vertical, and we've, we've grown quite a bit over the last few years, done really well. What about you? You said you, meant you work for this company. Tell me about it. How's it been working there? Not only are they like, wait, what does this guy actually do? And this person seems big time, but they want to find out more. This isn't you trying to be manipulative. This is you simply saying, look, there's so many people that are out there. You don't want to waste your time around the wrong ones. You want to command respect when you enter the room and you do so by being willing to walk away. When I was starting off into my, my career early on, and this was starting off in sales, moving up, and then eventually... Saving up, starting my own company, becoming an entrepreneur, and even now to this day, still being in my 20s, nearly every single room that I walk in, I seem to always be the youngest person. Now, I've always liked this because it was a differentiator, but I get asked this all the time, Grant, how do I become successful if I'm the youngest person? I'm 18, I'm 20, I'm 30, or whatever age that you are. How do you have people respect you if you're younger than everybody else and you have less experience? There's a couple things. One, stop telling people too much information. When you say less, you're more reserved, you're calm, you ask questions. People are going to naturally assume you're smarter than you are. What's so interesting is many times we assume people are smarter than they are just because they have a higher position or maybe make a little bit more money than you. We overestimate how intelligent and how good someone is. But if you're not blabbering out the mouth and you're more reserved, how in the hell are they going to know? People are always more intriguing in a person's imagination than in real life. Think about people who've met this celebrity or someone that they've been obsessed with, and dream about their whole life. What's interesting is many times when they meet them, they realize they're not as cool and interesting as they originally thought. They're just a normal person like you and I. But when you're more reserved, you're confident, and you let your actions do the talking, it causes people to respect you more. When I was young, I was 22, and I was trying to do everything I could to become a regional salesman. And at the time, at this company that I worked for, I would have been the youngest one in history. And so I had to be calculated because every single person that was working on that team in the market that I was in was basically old enough to where they could be my dad. They were 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and I was this young guy. And while I was successful, I had to have a different approach. The first thing I did is I figured out who was the actual true decision maker. It wasn't the person that was directly above me. In this specific company, it was the CEO. So I had to think about who controls the narrative, the thought process of that person. And I said, well, the current regional sales manager is really close to him, which means I need to be close to this person. I need to build an active relationship. I'm not trying to take that guy's job. I didn't want that guy's job at all, but I knew that there would be another opportunity in some capacity in a different market or a different vertical of the organization where I could move up. So the first thing I did is, why would I talk all of this mess, try to act like this hotshot with a bunch of people that are 20, 30, and 40 years older than me? Instead, I'm going to let my actions do the talking. I went out and became the number one sales rep. I was reserved. I was humble. I helped every person around me, so much so that I was make, helping them make money, and I wasn't even the manager. This got the attention of my regional sales manager, who I made sure he felt respected, and he was loved and that it was him that was making the biggest impact. And he was, he was helping me, but I was doing the work, but I didn't need to be the hot shot. I didn't need to be the top guy. I just needed him to respect me just along with everybody else. Next thing you know, this CEO came into town, that regional manager trusted me and respected me so much. He didn't think, oh, I'm going to take this guy's job, that he invited me out to dinner with that CEO. That's when I built the relationship with him, and another opportunity presented itself three, four months later, where that other guy was able to get promoted too, it benefited everyone, and it ended up becoming the youngest regional sales manager in that company's history. I didn't do it because I was needy, or I worked the hardest, or because I was the nicest person. I did it because it make, made financial sense for the company and for the leadership that was already in place. But at the same time, what was beautiful is I didn't need it. I didn't even know if I wanted that position because there would have been so much extra stuff that would cause me to have to sell less and potentially make less money. And I ended up making more, but I had so much confidence that, look, I'm the youngest. I got to trust the process. I have all these different companies trying to hire me. I don't need to work anywhere. So I'm going to be confident. I'm going to be myself. And the opportunity presents itself, then it will. And then all of a sudden I get promoted and then promoted and I finally realized what I was doing wrong for all of those years. While it was admirable that I was such a hard worker, and while it was admirable that I was a great person, it didn't matter. Everybody out there is serving their best interests, and we we act like that's a bad thing, but everyone, guys, has a family. Everyone has dreams and goals that they want to succeed. So instead of me trying to compete with these individuals, All I had to do is empower them and make it beneficial for them to give me opportunities. Now, you go, well, Grant, I'm my own boss. I don't need this. Well, it works the same way if you're doing a partnership with another company. If you're you're selling a massive client or you're getting people that are A-type level talent to come work at your organization, it has to make sense for them. They have to respect you so much that they do whatever it takes to try to work at your company, on your team. People want to work for A players. Think about when Tom Brady left the Patriots and he came to to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had not won a Super Bowl since I believe the early 2000s. The team was mediocre at best, rarely ever making the playoffs. Their coach was great, but hadn't had any crazy success. Why the second, the sixth time At the time, six-time Super Bowl champion quarterback goes there, which they knew would only happen for a year or two, does now suddenly every great player in the NFL wants to now trade or get a contract for Tampa Bay. Why? Because they knew if they played with Tom Brady, they'd have a chance at a Super Bowl. That's how life works. Tom Brady wasn't needy. He wasn't trying to convince everyone to do it. He didn't even have to. His resume spoke for himself. Tom Brady had the leverage set up in his life to where people respected him. The coaches, the general managers, the owners in the league, and of course, all of the players. That's why they followed him, wanted to to play with him, and that's how when he was able to go to Tampa Bay, they were able to turn around that team so quickly and win them a Super Bowl. We have to focus on this and start creating leverage in your life by following the law of least interest. So I hope you guys have an incredible week. Thank you guys, as always, for all the support. Make sure to tune in to all my social media channels, guys, to get more updates. You can follow me on all those at GrantMint. And then I hope you guys have a fantastic week, and I'll see you guys again for episode 61. Thanks, guys.